And I would invite you, if you have not already done so, to turn to Isaiah chapter 43. Well, as I've already mentioned, we are at this odd juncture. Uh, We've just finished the Advent season uh, with yesterday being Christmas. Uh, I'm going to tell you, I'll be quite honest, all day yesterday I had to every now and then go, oh yeah, I got to I got to work tomorrow. <laughs> oh yeah, I got to be in church tomorrow. You know, it's just like the day was just so great with the with the family and everything and it's it's like, you know, we're going home. It's like, oh yeah, I got to lay out my clothes for tomorrow. <laughs> so, but you know, that's where we are. I call this time the time between. It's the time between. It's that time between Christmas and New Year. For some of us, it's a time where we're going to actually spend time in the coming week maybe doing some evaluation. Maybe your company, over the, for some of your companies, it's inventory time, always a fun time. But it, it, you'll, you'll look at, okay, what, what was our business like over the past year? How can we make our business better? How can we do better the next year? What, what are the improvements we need to make? Do we need to hire more staff? It's a time to evaluate. I hope it's a time for you to evaluate personally. You know, to look back, maybe you set some goals. I, I like goals better than resolutions. I just, maybe you set some goals for yourself. Maybe you set some goals for your family. And this is a time to look back and say, how did I do? And where can I grow? Where can I improve? It's, it's this time between. Just think back for a minute, if you can, over the past year. What are some of the things God's done in your life? You know, we really thought going into 2021 it would be a lot different than 2020, and it has been in many ways, but that whole COVID thing is still around and continues to affect us in one way, shape, or form. Maybe some of you have found over the past year where God has just kind of in certain special ways walked alongside you and you didn't know it until you kind of took a step back and looked at where you had been and realized, oh, God carried me through that time. I know we've had experiences in our own lives as past year that when we crossed that threshold into 2021 just about a year ago we had no clue some of the things that God would enable us to do some of the places we would go we had no clue I had no clue that I would be along with my wife that we would be involved in moving or packing up all three of our children in six months May, July, and October, we either relocated from one house to another or we packed up one so that they could relocate to another state. When I walked into 2021, if somebody would have said, you're going to be doing this, I would have said, okay, what are those dates? I think I'll be busy. You know, I had no idea. Maybe, maybe you've seen God bring somebody into your life in 2021 that, that just helped you in that moment. That helped you just kind of get over a hump. Maybe you've had a special reunion with someone over this past year where you had kind of lost touch with them and all of a sudden you're back together. Maybe you had a a new neighbor move in and, and you found that you really connected. 
It's very possible God may have worked in your life in amazing ways. And it's very possible that 2021 is a year you want to forget because you went through some of the toughest times of your life. It may be, in, be that in 2021 you had the joy of seeing someone come to know Christ and, and, and the joy of, of walking with them in that process. It's important sometimes for us to take that time to look back, not to stare, not to gaze longingly at the past, but to look back. Isaiah 43 is, is a book that begins, is, is a chapter that's part of the book of Isaiah that begins a new tone. See, I told you this earlier, the first 39 chapters of the book of Isaiah are, are chapters of largely God kind of grabbing his people, kind of getting them in his face and saying, you guys aren't doing it right. Remember we talked about as we got into Isaiah 9 about Ahaz and the way he was leading the, the nation wrongly. And so for 39 chapters, God is saying, you know, the way you're going is going to lead to disastrous results. But when we get to chapter 40, there's a, there's a change. And it, <laughs> in fact, chapter 40 begins with comfort. Comfort my people, says your God. And from chapter 40 through chapter 66, it is God saying to the nation, yes, you're going to go through some tough times. Yes, it's because you've been disobedient. But know that I've got a bigger plan. I've got a better plan. And I am going to restore you. And so that's what we get to when we get to chapter 43 is, is an, another statement of that restoration. Uh, we're going to be focusing on verses 14 to 20, but the first 13 verses are, are God reminding them that I am your Savior. I am your Redeemer. I'm the one that brought you out of Egypt. I'm the one that walks with you. And so we have those very familiar words uh, when you pass through the waters, 43.2, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze, for I am your God. In other words, God reminding them, when you go through difficult times that seem overwhelming, know that I'm with you. Know that I'm right there. And know that you can make it. By the time we get to verses 14 through 20, God wants the nation to know that he is a God of mercy even when they don't follow him. And it's in those words that he says in these next few verses that I think we can find some perspective as we move forward into a new year. Look at verses 14 uh, through 17. Isaiah 43, 14 through 17. This is what the Lord says. Your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, for your sake I will send to Babylon and bring down as fugitives all the Babylonians in the ships in which they took pride. I am the Lord, your Holy One, Israel's Creator, your King. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, 
who drew out the chariots and horses, the army of re and reinforcements together, and they lay there never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Whenever God wanted his people to remember his greatness, he always took them back to what happened in the book of Exodus when he sent Moses to bring the people out of Egypt and he destroyed the Egyptian army. He actually laid waste to the Egyptian way of life for a while. And he always wants them to remember, this is what I did. And as we go into this new time, into this new year, I think it's important for us to take time to rehearse God's greatness. To look back and say, this is God. He's my Redeemer. He's my Holy One. We need to rehearse that. We need to remember that. I serve the God. You serve the God who invaded this planet, who came into this earth, who dwelt among us, as it were, who became human, who, who went through all of the stuff that humans go through, from the birth canal to growing up to being nursed and fed and diapered and put back to bed and learning a trade and growing. I, I talk about sometimes, you know, I wonder if Jesus had Osgood slaughters when he grew a little too fast and his knees got really sore. Any of us guys who went through a, those growing spurts, we kind of remember our knees being sore because the body grew faster than the knees would. And, and did Jesus go through that? He went through so much. He, he was tempted in all ways like as we were, yet without sin. God says, rehearse that. Remember that. He says, remember the greatness of God because I'm going to bring you back out of Babylon and, and the instruments they use to take you into captivity, then they're going to use to bring you out. We need to rehearse God's greatness. As I prayed earlier, we are here now, today, because of the grace of God. God wants us to remember that. God wants to Remind us of his power. Rehearse God's greatness. He says, I, I made a way through the sea. I made a way through the turbulent waters. And, and I think you and I ought to rehearse God's greatness. We ought to sit down and just remember some of the ways that God was there for us. Remember some of the ways that God helped you. Remember some of the ways that he encouraged you. Remember some of the people he brought to you. Remember God's greatness. In your life, God's work causes us to focus on His greatness. And I would encourage you this week just take some time, reflect, rehearse the greatness of God. But as you do that, there's a second reality. Look at verse 18. This sounds almost like an oxymoron. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. Whoa, whoa, time out. How do I rehearse God's greatness and yet forget the former things? Well, let me put it this way. Put the past in its proper place. You see, what the nation was kind of doing contextually, they were fixating on the past. They were focusing on the past. In fact, they were looking so much at the past and they were dwelling so much at the past that it wasn't just a quick rehearsal of what God had done. It was 
they're living in the past. And so they couldn't even see God's hand in the present. They were expecting that God's work that he had done back there would always be the same. And, as, and so, in a sense, they were putting God in a box. And, and I think one of the things about God that is so exciting is that God is unpredictable. God does not fit into any box you and I make. And whatever box we make, he's sure to kind of show us that he doesn't fit that. I think there's several reasons why God says, forget the past or don't focus on the past, don't fixate on the past. One of those is we tend to romanticize the past. We tend to talk about the past as if it were perfect. We tend to talk about the past as if nothing ever compares to it. Have you ever, you know, we, we look at the past through rose-colored lenses. Let me go back a little bit, and let's take off the rose-colored glasses. Some will say, man, the 50s, wow, what a golden age, the 1950s. The 1950s brought us the Korean conflict. They brought us the McCarthy era. They brought us, well, you, I've seen them in movies, I Contrary to popular opinion, I wasn't around for much of the 50s. Uh, they brought us children hiding under their desk, afraid of nuclear bombs. They brought us communism, the 50s, really? I was a little more around for the 1960s, and the 1960s brought us the assassination, assassination of three national leaders. They brought us the, the, the drug area, Timothy Leary, LSD, they brought, the 60s brought the Vietnam War and the corresponding protests, the Kent State Massacre. Uh, the 60s weren't so great. The 1970s? One word. Disco. Right? <laughs> That's it. That just says it right there. But Watergate, gas shortages. The 1980s brought us the me generation, materialism, the savings and loans failures. The 1990s, the first Gulf War, government scandals, the Oklahoma City bombing, Waco, Texas. Do you realize we are almost a quarter of the way through this century? Have you thought about this century, the 21st century? 9-11? Enron failure, 2008, and the whole uh, mortgage debacle, the continued war on terror, terrorist alerts, social injustice. Oh, yeah, and this little thing called COVID-19. The fact of the matter is every era has its good times. Every era has its bad times. Don't romanticize the past. When we dwell on the past, we romanticize it. And God's concern for his people in Isaiah 43, and God's concern for you and me is this. When I romanticize the past, I idolize the past, and I stand in great risk of missing God's work today. The other thing we do is we, we tend to dwell on the past because we can control the past. You see, we can control the information of the past. We can control the emotion of the past. We can control the effects of the past. 
And so we can kind of get a bit in control. The fact of the matter is God wants me to know I'm not in control. I, I may think I'm in control, but I'm not. God's in control. I depend on him. Yes, I'm responsible for decisions I make. I'm responsible for the consequences of those decisions. But in the broad scheme of things, I live dependently on God. The other thing we do is we tend to dwell on the past because it feels safe. It's comfortable to dwell in the past. It's, it's familiar. It's comfortable to dwell, it's safe to dwell in the past because there's no surprises. I know everything that happened or I know the way I wanted it to happen and I'll tell you the way I wanted it to happen because it's my story to tell, right? And I can massage it and shape it the way I want. It's convenient to dwell in the past because I don't have to think. But when I do that, I make God obsolete. You see, when I dwell in the past, I really don't need God as much as I think because my life is somewhere back here. God wanted something better for his people. God wants something better for you and me. I have an old commentary on my shelf uh, on Isaiah and the man who wrote that commentary in, in expounding on this particular passage, he says this, cultivate hope, not remembrance. Cultivate hope, not remembrance. That's what God desires for us. He wants us to live in that state of hope. Hope not in, oh, I, I hope I get an Xbox for Christmas. Well, that's probably old now, isn't it? I hope I get, you know, Hope is a confidence. Faith is the evidence of hope. I have a hope in God. I have no clue what 2022 holds. Now, I can tell you different things I've got planned. I, I actually have some plane tickets reserved for some things that have to happen uh, in 2022. I kind of hope those become a reality, but I, I have no confidence because things can change like that, but I know that I have a hope in a God who's already there. That's confident hope. That's what God wants for us. God wants us to put our hope in Him, to trust Him, to look to Him. And that brings us to our third reality. We need to look expectantly to God's work in the future. Look at verses 19 and 20. After, after God says through Isaiah, forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. The wild animals honor me, the jackals and the owls, because I provide water in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen, the people I formed for myself, that they may proclaim my praise. God says, I'm doing something new. 2022 is not going to be like 2021. It's going to be new. I'm going to do something new in your life. I'm going to do something new in your church. I'm doing something new. There's something fresh. Here's something about God. God is contemporary. God is contemporary. Now, that doesn't mean... That, you know, he, he doesn't build on the past, but it means he does something new. And he wants us to be looking to him, to the new thing he wants to do. Seeing God 
as a new thing, seeing him doing a new thing requires that we think differently about God. And yet we think the same about God. Here's what I mean. When I look to the future, I find I have a need to depend more greatly on God. I have to depend on his ability to provide. Isaiah said he's making a way in the desert. Only God can make a way in the desert. I have a brand new word picture. It's a couple years old now, but it's my constant word picture of the desert. I've actually said it's my word picture for God forsaken. And my apologies to my friends who live in the Lone Star State. But the drive from El Paso, Texas to civilization is a wasteland. I mean, there is nothing there. We did that. When we moved our kids that came back from Mexico and they got their stuff up to El Paso, we loaded them in a Penske rental truck and we drove this Penske rental truck. The first 12 hours didn't even get us out of Texas. And it was just, there was nothing. I, the, my favorite sign was uh, a, a sign advertising premium property. And I'm looking across this wasteland. There wasn't even tumbleweed, people. And I thought, wow. But you know what? God says, you take, I'll take that and I can turn it into something. I can make a way through that wasteland. He said, it's no longer going to be just a path through the waters. I'll make a path through the desert. And in that middle of that wasteland, and in the middle of that desert, there are going to be streams. God provides where nobody else can provide. So depend on God's ability to provide. Depend on His ability to protect. Depend on His ability to guide. When we look to the future and expect God to do His work in the future, it should cause us to lean more on him and depend on him but then looking ahead expects that God will work are you living expectantly do you expect that God's going to do a work oh some of us express our living expectantly and we we kind of sit down. I know there are those, the type A folks are going to sit down with a sheet of paper, or they're going to have their computer divided up into segments, and, and they're, going to, they're going to outline their goals, you know, and there's goals for me personally, and goals for me spiritually, and goals for me at work, and, and all, and they're going to have all these goals outlined, and they kind of get into that, and, and that's great, and that's kind of how they might live expectantly. But I realize there are some of us that our goal for 2022 is just to make it one day at a time. If I can just get through today, I will have done something. I get that. But the idea is, do I, do I believe God is there? What do you hope God will do in your life spiritually this next year? Have you shared that with God? Uh, maybe it's as simple as just, you know, some of us want to read through the Bible in an entire year. That's great. Some of us just want to spend time reading the Bible every day. That's great. Some of us 
Okay, if I could get started once a week, tell God. What do you expect? What do you hope he'll do in your life spiritually? Is there anybody in your world that doesn't know Jesus yet? Pray for them. Make it a point. You know, I, I know people, in fact, uh, I remember years ago I was in Mexico. I was there with a work team. And uh, different ones of the missionaries were telling their faith story. And I remember one gal, I, I just so loved her practicality, but she was so afraid as they were going for their interviews, you had to interview different pe- with different people at the mission as they were in what they call candidate school, which is kind of you know, basic training for missionaries. And uh, she knew everybody was going to ask her about her personal time with God. And, and she just felt like it was so empty, it was so simple, it was so empty, nobody would, would, would really accept her, you know. And of course, they all are stoic, right? So she goes into one office with her husband. Well, tell me about your personal time with God. Well, when I'm vacuuming, I pray for this child. And when I'm doing the dishes, I pray for this friend to come to know Christ. And, you know, when I'm uh, folding the laundry, this is the friend I pray for. And they just write it down. They're stoic. They're not going to, you know, reveal anything. She finally got to the president of the mission. It was like, oh, this is where he's going to say, you know, you're not ready to be a missionary. You just need to go home. And he asked her that question, and she went through the whole thing, and he went, that's great. See, in the morning when I shave, I pray for each of my grandchildren. And, and when I do that, and he went through his day, and, and all of a sudden she realized, oh, you mean it's spiritual to just kind of talk to God through my day? And, and it just really bolstered her up. Uh, who are you praying for this next year? How are you connecting with God? When do you talk to Him? You don't have to be on your knees and spend four hours in prayer. Do you have a communication with God? What are you asking God to do in your life spiritually? What do you want God to do at Pleasant Hill Community Church this next year? Have you even given thought to that? Well, isn't that your job? It's our church It's not my church. It's the Lord's church that we all are a part of. Have you prayed and said, God, do a new thing at Pleasant Hill Community Church. I want to look for where you're going to work. Ask God to help you. Ask God to help me and the other leaders to see his plan. Ask him to prepare you to follow his plan. And this isn't the sermon where I'm going to say, look in the bulletin and find the ways you volunteer. That's up to you and God. It's up to you and God what you do. Oh, we'll still throw out opportunities when they're there, but it's up to you and God. Have you had a conversation with a friend and told him about, you know, showing up at church? Bring them with you. What are you asking God to do? You see, the moment I begin to think, that God is satisfied with the status quo of my life, then I dry up. The moment I begin to think that I really don't need to grow anymore in my walk with Christ, that I've, I've kind of arrived, I've gotten everywhere I need to get, I'm, 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 I'm so far along in my Christian life, I can't go any further. I, I'm just, I have arrived, I'm there, that's when I dry up. I don't think God is 
wanting us to status quo, be status quo people. He wants us to grow. He wants us to change. No matter how old you are, there is still stuff we can learn. There are still things we can grow in. Looking ahead, living expectantly, prepares me to see God as well. You see, when I look and I dwell in the past, and that's all I'm doing is looking at the past, I'll miss God's hand in the present. I won't see it. I won't, I, I won't be able to see his hand. And here's the other thing. God is already working. God never stops working to build his kingdom. And he invites us to come along. God's not waiting for me to say, oh, okay, now I'm ready. He's already working, but he says, come and join me. I love the material from the Henry Blackaby that's been out for many years and the idea that God is working and invites us to join him. And that means we have to have these eyes to see what's God doing. How can I get involved? How can I use the way God has made me, shaped me, formed me, gifted me to do what, what he wants me to do now, to join him? We're never going to hold up God's plan. He's not waiting for us in that sense. He's inviting us. When you and I see God as a result of obedient, expectant living, then what's going to happen to us is not only are we going to grow personally, we're going to develop a heart of praise. You see, when I see God at work, when I live expectantly, I also live thankfully. Thanking God for his work, thanking God for his provision, thanking God that I can lean on him, thanking God for the people he brings into my life that help me and that encourage me and that correct me. And so when I look for God and I live for God, I end up being a person of praise who thanks God. Isaiah said, God's going to redeem you. We get to look back at the cross and say, he's done his redeeming work. He did it through Jesus. And we join him. We come into that faith relationship with him. But that's not the end. So often in our churches, we've, we've made it so that when you pray to receive Christ, you've crossed the finish line. Oh, no, friends, you just crossed the starting line. The rest of your life is a life of growing, learning, developing, following Him. God has done great things, and it's good to rehearse those things, to think back, to see what God has done. Why? Not so I can dwell on them and recreate them and almost make idols of them. No, we don't dwell on the past. We look at what God has done, and then we turn and we say, all right, let's move forward. He wants to do great things in and through you, in and through this church. He wants to do new things, and he wants us to choose to live in obedience, to follow him. We don't look at what we don't have or what we can't have or what we should have. We, that's when I allow my circumstances to move me into status quo. I look at God as a person, we look at God as a church and we say, God, what do you want to do? 
How do you want us to proceed? Where's the new territory you want us to move into? And then we choose. Will I follow God into whatever the new thing he's doing? Or will I choose to put my life in neutral and just be status quo? The choice is ours on a daily basis. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for the the reminder this morning that that you are a, a God who reminds us of your greatness, who doesn't want us to dwell in the past, but who wants us to be part of the new thing that you are doing. I pray this morning, Lord, as we contemplate your words, as we think about this past year, as we look ahead to a new year, that we would look ahead expectantly. I think of the words even on our our bulletin this morning from Psalm 90. Teach us to number our days. Teach us to evaluate our days that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. So Lord, help us to look at each day as a day that you've provided to lean on you, to depend on you, to trust you, to move forward in faith. And be people of praise. In Jesus' name, amen.